Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 16. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, thanks for listening. If you uh, listen to episode 15, I have some great news for you today. I actually have a guest, so you don't have to listen to me ramble about turkey hunting or whatever for, for 16 minutes. Also, if you're not a big fan of turkey hunting, I have great news once again. We're taking a break from that again this week. I just kind of, you know, I, I like having themes, but I'm not like glued to them, as you can tell. I, I like, as I get a guest that comes on, I'm interested in hearing their stories. I think that kind of helps break it up. Uh, we'll probably get back to turkey hunting. There's uh, some local guys that I want to interview, but I'm not real good at the uh, sit down across from somebody with a microphone without it echoing just yet, so I'm, I'm figuring that part out. But anyway, um, I just want to say thank you if you have um, reviewed this podcast or if you shared it in any way. Uh, I think that's helped me out. Today's guest actually found out about me um, through just going to iTunes and going searching, and he searched for hunting, and my podcast came up, which is kind of a shock to me, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but I think that's because you guys have reviewed it, you shared it, maybe hit subscribe. And so um, if you haven't done that, you want to help me out and kind of get more guys kind of listening to this, and uh, the more guys listening, the more stories I'm able to get from different people, uh, kind of keeps it going. Um, would love for you to do that. So uh, it kind of as a way to promote that and just as a way of saying thank you, uh, I'm going to do a little giveaway. Uh, I have a Shedding Light Outdoor hat, and the way that you can win that is by sharing this either on Facebook, Instagram, or some other way. I don't know how else you would share it. Those are the two ways that I know. But uh, if you do a screenshot and show me how you shared it to uh, uh, you know some other social media, just let me know. But on Facebook, if you share this, uh, you'll be entered. If you share it on Instagram, you'll also be inter- uh, entered. And if you tag a buddy uh, in either one of those places, I'll give you an extra entry and you'll have a chance. And I will ship you a Shedding Light Outdoor hat uh, directly to your house. It's like I got a black front panel camo on the back, got our logo on it. And uh, kind of a cool looking hat. So, um, if you would uh, do that, uh, kind of as a way of promotion, but also as a way of me just saying thanks, I'll, I'll go ahead and send you out a hat for free. Um, would appreciate that. Uh, once again, uh, today's guest uh, found me and just was, he wasn't even really trying to come on the show. I uh, just kind of uh, talking about what he liked about the podcast. And I thought, you know what, it'd be kind of cool to have him on. Uh, I love hearing everybody's stories, but uh, this guy comes from Australia. And I thought, you know what, there, there's some hunting that I don't know a whole lot about except for from you know maybe a couple movies on TV uh, with Crocodile Dundee or whatever. So uh, I thought it'd be cool to reach out to him. He does have some crazy stories about Samba deer. Uh, if you haven't, if you don't know what that is, uh, you're like me. Make sure you Google it before you listen to this. Just real quick, look up what a Samba deer looks like, and um, I think you'll, you're you're going to love to hear his stories. He's also going to talk about kangaroo hunting, and <laughs> uh, it sounds like an absolute blast. And I want you to listen to the end. Daniel has a story that uh, he shares that um, I think you're really going to enjoy. Just kind of hearing his his side of things. And so anyway, all of that we're just going to go and jump right in. There won't be like an outro or anything like that. Just want you to listen to the podcast and enjoy it. And without any further ado, here is Daniel Mummery. Uh, so I just went back and listened to that intro real quick before we have Daniel on. I uh, want to explain that you will be entered to win a hat, not that you will get a hat. I think I made it sound like if you share this and do that, tag your buddies, I'm going to send you a free hat. I, I only have one to give out, so uh, you will be entered into win. I think that's clear, but just want to double check. Now, without further ado, here is Daniel Mummery. All right, guys, I am here uh, with my guest today, uh, 
guy reached out to me on Instagram, and we just started talking back and forth, and I thought it would be cool to have him on the podcast. Uh, his name is Daniel Mummery. Uh, Daniel uh, works at a uh, quarry uh, gravel yard with landscaping, have a nursery, and does a lot of jobs there. Uh, he is from Bendigo, Victoria, Australia, and uh, he's a happily married man, got a four-month-old at home who's in bed, so we're trying to not be too loud here. I just want to say, Daniel, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks, Trev. Thanks for having me, mate. Appreciate it. All right. So right off the bat, uh, guys can tell that you are definitely from Australia. Uh, I'm assuming you've lived there most of your life. Yeah, yeah, mate. Yeah, not faking it. No, it's, um, <laughs> I've been here. Yeah, I'm 27 years old. Uh, like I said, happily married and little four-and-a-half-month-old daughter. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I love Australia. It's got a, it's a vast variety of um, terrain. There's desert and ocean, the beach, mountains, snow, the whole lot. So Victoria is down the bottom part of Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, just before you cross the sea to go to Tasmania. Yeah. Wow. So that is, that's really cool. I think, you know, being the person that's lived most of my life, like in the country, now I've, I've traveled a lot overseas and seen things, but never been to Australia. So what's your, uh, what's Victoria, what's the surrounding area like where you're at? Are we picked like guys might be picturing like crocodile Dundee with gators and, you know, things like that crocodiles, but, uh, what's, yeah. what's it like, man? Well, Dundee, he's that, that was way up North. That was, Oh gee, that was four thousand kilometres away. So that's that's the that's the way up the top there. Um, I'm right down the bottom. So where we live is sort of, I live in the central Victoria, so it's sort of, it's an even distance from all the um, borders. We have a lot of like it's, our Bendigo is an old mining town, so there's a lot of old mines around the joint. Um, a lot of underground. They have a an open cut uh, underground pit out at um, not far out of town there. So. Gold mining was a huge part of this town. Um, not so much anymore. More so, uh, they're just Melbourne's the closest city, so they've taken on a lot of things from there. Okay. Um, but farming is a main thing. Um, yeah, and tourism. Yeah. So uh, it sounds it sounds similar to a lot of U.S. cities and places like that. So, um, Daniel, you know, we I think what might be a, a curiosity for some guys kind of going in is what is hunting like down there? What are the opportunities to hunt? I mean, I know in my little neck of the woods of Ohio, you know, there's there's certain things that you can hunt. Australia, what are uh, what are the things around you that you can kind of go after down there? Yeah, right. Well, um, where we are at the moment, I'm, I'm a fair way from the mountains. Well, two and a half, three hours from where we start to hunt. Um, but anything local. Uh, we've just gone into our, our duck season, so we've got uh, nine weeks this year. Normally, it's twelve week season, but we've got restricted. We didn't have a lot of rainfall this last six months, and it's affected the breeding. and And they've had floods up up the northern part of the country, so all the ducks are sort of up there chasing the water. So we've got nine week season, so we can hunt ducks uh, for the first part of the year uh, until about June. Um, a lot of fellas. A lot of fellas like to go out spotlighting, so mm. we go out at night and, and, and spotlight foxes and rabbits, um, and if you've got a permit, you can hunt kangaroos, so the Amer- Americans might think that's a bit weird, but they're just weird. everywhere. There's, I think it's awesome, that. actually. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, tell, yeah. Now, i got to know, have you ever gone kangaroo hunting? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, definitely. Holy Definitely. cow. Okay. I, I've got to, okay. When we get to the stories, I've got to hear about the kangaroo hunting. Cause that to me <laughs> is, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be, that sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it is good, mate. So it is the, good. There's, there's a few around. So. 
so before we get to that, uh, tell us a little bit about how you got into hunting. What was that like growing up in, um, you know, how did you get into, you know, going after different, different types of animals like kangaroo and other things that you're going to talk about? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I got my, in Australia, your junior gun license at 12 years old, which means you have to be supervised by a fully licensed um, person over 18 who has their gun license. Um, so my dad, he's always, he's always hunted Samba deer and I'll get into that a bit later, but, um, and his, his dad, so my gramps, he raised dogs like bloodhounds and, and, and pig dogs and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So hunting sort of comes down, down the family line. Um, so we've, we look, I've really only ever hunted deer, um, but since like I'm 27, so when I was turned 18, we got our, I got my driver's license and my open gun license, and um, you know my mates and I, we go out spotlighting, you know, on private property and, and things like that, chasing rabbits and foxes. And um, <clears throat> down here, we get $10 per scalp for a fox, so wow. that gives you, yeah, it gives people an incentive to go and to go out and and, and shoot as many as you can because they're such a pest. Mm-hmm. Um, they really do a lot of damage to the farmers' lambs and sheep and whatnot. So that yeah, that's one of the main things we do around where I live, Central Victoria. That's probably the main thing you can hunt. Um, there are we have four species of deer in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's there's another one which is out of state, but the main ones that are close to us are samba deer, fallow deer, uh, red deer, and hog deer. So uh, and then yeah, you can hunt you can hunt kangaroos with a permit um, because they're they're protected. But if you've got you know, thousands on your property, you're allowed to get a permit to take a few out, yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh, Samba deer, I wasn't familiar with that, but uh, there, uh, since you and I are video, and I, I actually thought it kind of looks like an elk. This looks like a dark-colored uh, animal. I mean, it's got a real almost like chocolate kind of mm-hmm. fur. Um, and yep. then the antlers seem to kind of grow, you know, grow similar, you know? Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, I've got a Samba stag just behind the behind the. Um, camera here that you can't see but the one on, on the wall behind me that's my first deer he's only a year and a half old um he's got no antlers he I, I took him before he even had his spikes but um that, that was a good hunt that i might i might tell you a bit later but um yeah look they're they're quite a large animal i don't know what they compare to over over your way whether i think they're bigger than a white tail they might be similar to a muley like a good heavy mule deer yeah um but yeah the samba stags we we measure them. I'm not. I don't understand how you guys measure your antlers. In your uh, I inches. don't either. I've never shot one big enough to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> so the way we, our our stags, Sam stags have have six points, three on each side, and um, they they have their certain way of measuring it and whatnot. But a good samba stag, a good trophy samba stag is is twenty nine to thirty inches in length plus. So anything okay. bigger than that is is a real good samba stag. Okay. Um, and they can vary in size and, and thickness and, and whatnot. So, and, and they're, they're the hardest, they're the hardest deer to hunt out of the four species that I mentioned. They're very wary, very timid. And, um, but I'll get, yeah, I can explain that a bit more later. Oh, that's cool. Well, let's go ahead and jump into that. I'm just really curious about hunting down under. Um, like I said, my only experience would be from movies or anything like that. So, yeah. you know, go ahead and, uh, get us into, um, get us into one of these stories, uh, whenever you first started hunting or maybe whatever story you had in mind, like we haven't like laid out, you know, any of that stuff. I, I'm just saying, I thought it'd be fun just to kind of shoot from the hip and, and have yeah. a good time. So tell yeah, us a hunting story. Yeah, no worries. Well, I've only ever taken two Sam deer. Um, 
I've been hunting, like I said, since I was 12, so yeah, about 15 years. And we sort of get out two or three times a year. You know, as, as young as young kids, we used to go with Dad um, for four or five days, and and they were our main hunting trips um, for the year. But since being an adult, I can and working and whatnot else, I've only really been able to get away for two and three day trips. You know, Friday night, come back Sunday. So, anyway, so I haven't had a lot of time in the bush, but the time that I have had in the bush, I've 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 come close so many times. And like I said, these deer like they're so wary and, and they don't get big by being stupid. <laughs> right. So, you know, and, um, so anyway, this one trip I want to tell you, this is the first year was one behind me and I actually shot him on the same river. I'm about to tell you this same story, this next story. So this doe, this, we went over for four days and we drove from Bendigo on, I think it was on Thursday. It was, this was about eight years ago. Um, <clears throat> we, it takes six hours to get to this this big valley, um, and I can't remember how long it goes for, but it's quite a long way. And so we got six hours to the valley, and then maybe twenty to thirty minutes uphill, like driving to the where we park the vehicle and and hunt from there. So we parked the vehicle. We we this camp that we went to we call main camp because we base ourselves there and and we hunt within that area. So Are you uh, gun gun hunting or bow hunting? Sorry, yeah, yeah, rifle hunting. So we have a okay. uh, hunt with a three hundred Winchester Magnum. Okay. Um, and the, the rifle's a Holland and Holland brand, with a I think it's a Nikon scope or something. Oh, cool. Uh, nothing too nothing too flash on top, but yeah, it's got enough gun, gets enough the job done. gun power. Yeah, plenty of gun power. Um, and that rifle's got a bit of history. My grand took that to to Africa and and took an elephant back in the fifties and and a few oh, other yeah. zebra and a leopard and a few other things. So that rifle was handed down to me from my dad and I've taken both my deer with it. So it's got a bit of history to it, you know? That's awesome. So that's good. But anyway, this trip, we got down to main camp, uh, set up camp and, and we ended up walking upstream and the, the track sort of S bends across the river a few times. So we, we crossed it a couple of times in, in the lower sections and we got to this, this main crossing that might, I don't know, might've been 12, 13 meters in, in width, but it was only shallow. It might have been oh, shin deep thereabouts. And I don't normally unload my rifle. Like a lot of people might say, oh, that's unsafe, but we hunt the same way every time, so we know what we're doing sort of thing. And it was only shallow water. But this time I thought, ah, oh, I'll unload it, you know. It better be safe. So I unload it. We always we always hunt with half cock on, like put the, put the bolt down to half cock with our hand mm-hmm. underneath it. Across the river, after I'd, you know, and I'd unloaded it, put it back to half cock and crossed the river and we kept hunting. And we'd only walk 200 metres and there goes, oh, you did a stag up to your right. And there's a, so we're on the, we're on the river flat still and there was a, the side of the ridge there and, and this stag, this little stag, maybe 20 inches in length. So it was only a couple of years old. He was only 30 metres up to the right, like had a little bit of bush covering him, but you could see him fully right there. So I raised the rifle and went to pull the trigger and click. Oh, re, you know, reloaded because I forgot to reload the rifle. See, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one that's that's forgotten to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, gee whiz. So I reloaded it, and by the time like he heard the click and heard me reload it, and he just had enough time to get into the bush, and I just I couldn't get a shot away. 
And Dad said, what happened? And I said, I just forgot to reload. I just unloaded the river and I forgot to reload it. And anyway, I was pretty frustrated. So we continued on and we had a fair, we had a fair bit of um, distance to cover. And we'd gone probably, I don't know, two Ks, two and a half Ks. Come to this point where we had to cross the river again and go up, up the straight up side of the ridge. And we got to about two thirds of the way up this ridge. And what Sam would do, they'll, they, they honk. That's their warning signal. It's so weird. And if you've never heard it, it'd, it'd freak you out. But they honk. I'll, I'll try and, it's a honk. I'll try and do it for you. <laughs> I, 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 I want you to, please. <laughs> <laughs> so so they'll, they'll do the same as white tail. They'll raise their, their tail and they'll, they'll, they'll stomp their front leg. But their main indicator to let the, the predator know that they're there is a honk. And it goes, <laughs> and it's just wow. echoes throughout the valley. Um, you can hear it a K away in the right conditions. Sounds so, like that might be terrifying, you know, if you, if you didn't know they were there, you know. Yeah, if you don't know they're there, it, your, your whole body tenses up and, and, and then they're gone. Anyway, so there was five does about 60 to 70 yards in front of us. And they presented a couple of shots, but we weren't we weren't after does. Like, we were a fair way back and we didn't want to just carry meat. We were sort of chasing, chasing my first stag. So we let them walk on along the ridge, and we continued up over the top another five, six hundred meters to get our trail cameras. That's that's the trip. That's where we were going to get our cameras. So we picked our cams up and thought, oh, you know, it'll take us take us an hour and a half, two hours to get home to get back to camp, sort of thing. And it's getting on the arvo. We came back down a different ridge, and same thing, honk. There's there's a stag and a doe, 120 yards down. We look, we weren't even we weren't even hunting. We were just too busy coming coming back to camp. Mm-hmm. and it's like all right you know and this is i should explain this is summer this is january 20 22nd something like that now normally nobody hunts summer because it's too crunchy it's too dry you know it's just i think i'm trying to work out the difference in in temperature but our it can hit 46 degrees this summer just gone which is about 110 i think oh, wow yeah that's... so it's up there <clears throat> yeah that's up there so we were coming back and we we didn't see any other deer on the way home, uh, on the way back to main camp, and we stayed the night and thought, oh, we, we might actually go back to the river flats. We've got our cameras. We'll, we'll, we'll head back, and, and it, you know, it'll save us half an hour on our day that we want to leave. So we went back, and so, this is the second last day now. <clears throat> we went back to the river flats, pulled up camp, uh, set up, pulled up the car, set up camp, had a bite to eat, something to drink, and... and uh, I think it was the next next day. We ended up going, so we went upstream, and these flats are quite wide. Like the road is sort of a k away, or you know, not too far away, but it was big, nice, long, open river flats. We hunted, I don't know how, maybe 30, 40 minutes, and we came to this um, to this big steel shed, which I was like, that shouldn't be there. <laughs> it turned out it was a it was a, it was a winter. <clears throat> excuse me. It was a winter camp, so in the high country, it's, it's kind of like the back country, but not as not as remote. Okay. So it, it, in winter, it can get pretty slushy and pretty wet and snowy, and they don't let you drive your vehicles in. And they they shut the gates on the road. So these people obviously set up this camp, this this hut, and they get helicoptered in, or they ride their push bikes in, or they walk in. You know, so they'll do might do they might hunt for two weeks straight, sort of thing. So we had a look around there, sussed it out, and you know, yeah, had a look. 
And we continued on probably another three or 400 metres and we cut back to the right, to the back to the river. And we're having, having a bit of smoke, having something to eat and drink. And we're sitting there watching this river and, and we saw this platypus. And you don't see too many of them up in the river. They're, if people don't know what a platypus is, Google it. I can't explain it. <laughs> I know what it is. I've never seen one, but uh, maybe yeah. like in an aquarium or something. So yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So we were watching that, and you know that's a part of hunting. Like you, you know, like I'm a Christian. Um, I, I believe that this this world was made by a God and a loving God, and and I look at this place, and you know that's what I love about hunting, Trav, is, is that you go out and you see these things, and it just amazes you because yeah. I, I just don't see how it's an accident. Um, yeah. And I've got my own personal story about my faith and, and in God and in, in Jesus Christ. But I go out and when I hunt, I just I look at the place, this bush and these rivers and these animals, and it just blows my mind. Yeah. And so we saw this platypus swimming around, and we looked up. No, sorry, we looked up. What? Try and draw the picture for you. The river, we were upstream. The river's going down to our right. It hooks around to the left. So across from us was only 30, 40 yards. There's a big bush, a bit, a bit of a gap, maybe three three deer lengths in, in length, and then it cuts up into a gully. Mm-hmm. And we looked up, and this doe just pokes out of nowhere, and she looked up and saw us. We looked up and saw her, and the rifle's a metre, a metre and a half away. So Dad reaches to grab the rifle, and just as he hands it to me, she takes three steps, four steps, and she's up in the bush and sort of, you had the rifle to the shoulder, but just again, she was too quick for me. Mm. So we'd seen we'd seen nearly eight or nine deer by now, which is like that just doesn't happen, not for us anyway. We'd, you might see one or two, and that's why I was kicking myself so much when I missed that that first opportunity, that stag, because I thought, oh well, that's it, you know, that's mm-hmm. it. Um, and uh, where was I? Sorry, mate. Oh, oh yeah, oh, do, do. Away, yeah. <laughs> yep. So she got away. And and when animals bust us, we like to go and find out where they are, like why they were there. Okay. I look around, found some found some droppings, found some footprints. This is only two hundred. This is yeah, two or three hundred meters from that hut we found. We went back downstream, crossed the river, and we there's sort of a bit of a river, like the riverbank sort of was eroded underneath, and we had to sort of get up and over it. And as we got up and over it, this stag honked us ten meters away, so he must have been with her. He must have oh, been. Wow. They must have been together. See, so I'm like, how many chances are we going to get on this trip? You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, we went back to camp. That was it for that day. We we packed. Um, yeah, put our stuff down. Had something to eat, and the night got on. And we were laying in bed, and we could hear a stag honking because he could smell us down downstream. Mm-hmm. And and it was the night before, so. And I thought, Dad said to me, he said, there's a good chance that that stag will be there in the morning. So that gave me some hope because, like, we had to get going, see? Like, the next day we were heading out. We had to drive six hours home. And he's like, yeah, we've got a good chance in the morning. So that gave me some hope. Next morning, got up, packed our gear. Car was ready to go. And we actually, instead of hunting from camp, we packed our car and drove downstream towards where we had to leave, cut back in, parked the vehicle, and got the rifle out put one in the chamber uh, on half cock and, and took off. We we're only going to hunt for a short amount of time because we had to get going. So we walked, we might've been 300 meters from the river. We cut, we walked down for half an hour, cut back in towards the river and then came back towards the vehicle. And 
we're only about maybe 150 meters from the vehicle and there was this like like a small frame of a of another hut but it was more secluded than the last one mm-hmm. it was about maybe 14 foot by six foot um in size and we had a look at that we were really you know have a look at this thing anyway so i jumped a wombat hole you know what a wombat is a wombat uh yeah i should know what that it's is like but a, no i don't it's all right it's like a it's like a burrowing animal and they, okay. they burrow big yeah they burrow holes and they live underground so okay. i jumped this hole i jumped this wombat hole and and again oh again honk i look up and only 40 yards was two stags and a doe just standing there looking at us and all i could see was a silhouette because it was dark um in the shadows and the stags took off like i said that they, they don't hang around that's that's they don't get big by hanging around. Right. But the doe, the doe only went about 30, 40 meters. And I had a clear shot through the through the trees. But all I could see was the top of her neck and her head. And I had it had the bolt down, ready to go. And I thought, I'm not taking this shot. It was probably about a yeah, 50 yard shot. It's close, but I didn't want to take it. And she she turned and, and trotted off. And and the body language sort of said to me, like, she's not really in a hurry. And I said to Dad, I don't reckon she's far away. So we, we cut to our right, about 30 metres, and we, we stalked our way down to where she'd gone. And we'd only gone maybe, yeah, about 100 metres. And, and there she was. She was standing in the ferns looking back at us. Samba mm-hmm. will do that. They'll, Samba will see you. They'll run a bit and they'll stop and look back. Uh, okay. And my dad has told me that many stories of, of a few stags that he shot from that exact scenario that they stop and look back. Mm. so i said dad don't move don't move like this this is it so i closed the bolt wind it up had a bullet in it this time and <laughs> had had the crosshairs on the shoulder bang and i and and i was a little bit like i'm a light frame i'm, I'm six four but i'm a light frame and i don't do a lot of high-powered shooting and I, for some reason i don't know why i was thinking about the recoil when i pulled the trigger so anyway bang and I said, Dad, do you see her? Where'd she go? Where'd she go? He said, I didn't hear anything. I don't know where she went. I said, oh, far out. Like, don't tell me I've missed it, you know, like after all these deer. We've seen 13, 14 deer and, you know, anyway. So we stalked in and I I'd mis, I'd misestimated the distance. I thought it was about 60. So we're looking around for 10, 20 minutes, couldn't find any blood, nothing. And Dad went another 30 or 40 metres and he said, Oi, Dan, come over here. I thought, oh, he's found some blood, you know, he found a track. Anyway, there she was. She was piled up in the ferns. Uh, beautiful doe. She, I don't know how old she would have been, maybe four or five years old. Yeah. Um, really nice animal. But the funny thing is, Trav, <clears throat> I mentioned that I, I was a bit shaky. What happened? There was no, there was no bullet hole in the, um, there was no bullet hole in her leg. What's going on here? Couldn't work it out. Anyway, we looked her over, and I'd shaken, and I'd pulled to the right, and I took the first. The first bone behind the back of her head, straight out. Oh my gosh! (laughs) (laughs) I'll send you a photo. I've got a photo of it. Yeah. And it was absolute luck. I shouldn't have got it. You know. So. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. You know that's part of hunting. It doesn't matter if you're in Australia or if you're in the United States. There's always that element of you know things just got to come together and. so your first, this this is your first Samba deer on the ground right there. First mature one. Yeah, I took this one behind me first. He was only a young one. And okay. I took this doe. This is, that was four years apart though. So 
it was a long, long time coming, and I still haven't taken one since. But, um, mate, it was a hunt I'll never forget. Um, you know, it was my dad always talks about it. He laughs about, you know, he said, "Where'd you aim?" I said, "I don't know." You know, I don't know where. I aim. <laughs> I understand. So, you know, it's funny in the heat of the moment, you think, oh, I'm not going to think about recoil. I'm not going to think about those things. But mm-hmm. it is, it's just true. Sometimes whenever you get into those moments, you never know how you'll respond. And there's some things you just can't control. And uh, sometimes you call it luck or you can call it being blessed or whatever you want to call it. I, I yeah, think, uh, yeah. you know, it's definitely, um, definitely either way, it's, it feels really cool to have the deer down like that. Absolutely. Absolutely, mate. And, and, and normally um, the sort of hunts that we do aren't, aren't, on that sort of ground, like the river flats, like we were stunned that there were that many deer on the river flats. Normally you've got to hike right back. Like I said earlier, you know, those, those two deer right back that honked us and got away. You know, if you shot one of them, you'd be, you'd be carting out a two and a half K trip. You know, normally that's what you do. So we, we ended up, she was that close. We drove the vehicle up, butchered her up, cut her in half and winched her up on the back of the tray and, and we drove six hours home, mate. So it was a trip. It was a trip and a half. We will never forget it. I would love to just go on that trip just so I could see a wombat and a platypus. You know, I think that would be. Uh, I, I actually googled a wombat, so it's kind of like a groundhog, um, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. a little. I don't know. It's 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 a weird looking critter. So it is. It is. Yeah. And if you hit one in the car, they do a bit of damage. <laughs> oh no. Okay. All right, Daniel. Well, you got. Uh, you you talked about maybe having a couple stories up your sleeve. So, uh, what what other? I, I, now, listen. I'm not letting the kangaroo one slide. We're gonna get back to the kangaroo, but uh, you've got another one between now and the kangaroo. Let me, let me know. What do you got? Well, the kangaroo one. There's 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 a few of them, but they're they're a bit. It's a bit hard to tell a story because you, they're sort of the only way to hunt them is is by spotlight. I mean, you can go out and, and shoot them during the day on private right. property, but. Um, <clears throat> Most of the time, it's a spotlight job, and and they sort of they're like a, they are like a deer in headlights. They stand there and look at you, and and then you 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 shoot them. We we for about a two four three or or a two two three. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's that's plenty of gun for a kangaroo. So, and the thing is, they're a narrow. Their chest comes up and in, so they're very narrow chested. Right. And so any lower, and it's a gut shot. Any higher, you know, the head is a weird shape. So yeah, if you've got a good scope, you can get right in and pick your shot. Um, but yeah, most of the time it's, it's spotlighting. So, okay. Uh, and so is this like make, a, a season? Yeah, yeah, it does. Is it like a, are they considered like a nuisance or is it like a season that where you guys go out or uh, how does that work? Do you have to get like, so kangaroo, like a kangaroo, kangaroo tag or something? Yeah. So the only way that they are protected, which is, I find it weird because there's thousands and thousands of them. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, you've got to have a permit. So a farmer might have a permit for 10 roos a year or depending on the size of your property and, and how many are there, et cetera, et cetera. In Australia, more so up Northern Territory in Queensland, people actually do it for a job. They, okay. they, they're kangaroo shooters. They, they call them roo shooters and they <laughs> shoot for meat. Yeah, they shoot for meat and they'll sell that to the abattoir and it's all done in a certain way. It's processed in a certain way and whatnot else. So, uh, that's the main way you can hunt is is to be a roo shooter for for a job. You know, okay. dollar, you know, so many dollars per kilo, sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, how many times have you done that? Is, is it something that you do frequently, or uh... um, on and off, mate? Yeah, it just it just depends on the people that I know that have permits and whether they've you know whether they've gone out and shot their permits already or whether they invite me along and say, hey, I have got three tags left. Do you want to come out and shoot a couple with me? So, um. Yeah, but you know it, it's it's all on because they don't they don't hang around like they'll be in mobs of 
maybe 10, 20, even 50. Oh, wow. And, you know, you might put a shot off and, and they're just bounding all over the joint. You know, they're, they're going all over the place. So I'm like crazy. <laughs> it's, 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 it's kind of, it's, I guess it's a similar adrenaline to maybe pig hunting, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, blokes with dogs and, you know, sticking knives and whatever else they do. I've never done any of that, but it's sort of a similar adrenaline rush, I guess. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so anyway, and um, another story. Real quick, one more question. How's the meat of a kangaroo taste? Is it is it good meat? Is it uh, people like it a lot, or is it got a, is it acquired taste? Yeah, it's it's different. Trav, I haven't had it for a little while actually. You can buy it in store. So like so, obviously that's what the roosters do. So they sell it to um, abattoirs, which then go to supermarkets. You can go and either get it yourself with a tag, or you can go and buy like a backstrap, you know, in the shops. Okay. And yeah, they are. It is a different taste. I don't even know how to explain it to you, actually. But um, yeah. it, I game. I mean, game animal. It's gamey. It's gamey. Like a little gamey. Okay. Really got to cook it. You got to cook it right. It's if you know it dries out pretty quick. So okay. you know you might wrap it in bacon, like you do ducks or. Oh yeah, uh, everything. Everything's better in bacon. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some you know, people do kangaroo tail stew and all these sorts of stuff. So. Oh, that's yeah. that's interesting to hear about just because that's obviously we don't have kangaroos and I think mm. once again unfortunately our main picture is uh you know whenever you start talking about the spotlights I picture crocodile dundee you know they're they're the bad guys out there hunting but you know you got yeah. permits if there's a million of them you know I think yeah. that's obviously if it's legal then go I I'd, I'd be all about it that sounds like fun Absolutely absolutely well very quickly there was um I was explaining to you earlier that um <coughs> sorry some people some people from a church in Idaho um, came to our church for two or three weeks and our pastor took them out shooting, oh, took yeah. them out spotlighting. And he said, oh, we don't do spotlighting over here, man. Like, you know, and, that's, and that was that, a, that's a good English. That's a good North American accent. I like that. Oh, no, no. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and that was there. They got to go and experience Australian spotlighting. So that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you a quick other story, Trev. Um, yeah. My old man, my dad, he probably won't want me telling you this one. <laughs> But I will because <laughs> it's uh, it's it's pretty funny within the family anyway. Does so he listen to podcasts? Was... If he doesn't listen to podcasts, you're good. Sorry, I said if he doesn't listen to podcasts, then you're good. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's a bit he's a bit out of out of the technology for that. Okay. So all right, you're good. Go ahead. All right. If I'll hide it from him. Um, so what happened, Trav? I I bought uh, <clears throat> I bought a Winchester Model 270 in a sorry. A, the caliber was two, Winchester 270 mm-hmm. in a Weatherby Vanguard Series 2. Mm. It was the first rifle I've bought, and I had a Zeiss scope on it, and I'd, I'd hunted with it once. Now, my dad took it away. He took it away on grand final day, so AFL football, grand final day, in September two years ago. And he shot a real nice stag with it, real nice stag. And it was rubbing a tree, and, and you know, he could see it. Um, flying back and forth, swaying back and forth. And anyway, he got within 15, 15 metres of it and, and shot it, and it was just a really nice shape, 20, 28 inches, 27, 28 inches, hmm. and uh, just a really nice tag. Anyway, a few years later, uh, like a year later, he went to the same place I just, would just explain to you this on this doe hunt, but a different part of it, and that was a five-hour hike uphill. Now, I hadn't been there at this point, and he took my brand-new rifle on this hunt, and he was away for four or five days. Anyway, 
I'd plan on going away for a hunt when he got back. I was going to meet him halfway. We're going to swap the gear that I needed with his, and, and, I'd, and then I'd go up. So I went out to get, <clears throat> I went out to his property to get the, you know, all the gear that I needed, and <laughs> I don't know how God works, mate. But I, I wonder if he's. <laughs> I don't know how it worked, but I had this weird sense that I should take another rifle in case something's happened to mine. And <laughs> I thought, nah, you know, what, what am I thinking like that for? Anyway, he rings me and he goes, hey, Dan, how you going? I said, yeah, going all right. I'm just getting some stuff ready for this hunt. And he goes, oh, <clears throat> I've lost your bolt. And I said, oh, you know, you're real funny, Dad. Like, you know, that's that's classic, you know. He said, no, no, I'm really sorry, mate. I've lost your bolt. I said, are you serious? He goes, yeah, yeah. And he explained what happened to me. And because where, where he was hunting is a, is a, a lot of hikers come through there. Like every now, like every now and then, like it's not a hikers trail, but it's a main ridge that on the big hiking maps. Mm -hmm. So he said that some hikers came along and, and to be safe, he took the bolt out of it. And because you don't know, some people don't understand firearms and they get a bit scared. So he took the bolt out of it, put it in his pocket mm. and continued on. Anyway, he must have forgot about the bolt. <clears throat> he just oh, kept right. hunting. Now, he, anyway, he get, he walks, he hunts five, 600 meters and he looks down and the bolt's not in the rifle. Oh, it's in my pocket. Checks the pockets. You're joking. Oh. Anyway, he, he, <laughs> He he searched for that bolt, Trav, the rest of the time hunting. Instead of hunting, he looked for this bolt. Anyway, hunting, it was on a ridge. Hunting for the bolt. <laughs> hunting for the bolt. Anyway, so he was there for three or four days. Couldn't find it. Rings me. Can't find your bolt. So I took the 300 wind mag with me. I met him halfway, swapped gear, and he's, I'm really sorry, mate. That's all right. I forgive you. You know, no worries. We'll, we'll work it out. Anyway, so over the next two years, Trav, my dad drove six hours and he hiked five hours up this hill. He's 72 years old hmm. and he he's, 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 oh, he inspires me. He really does. 4,000 foot up, looking for this bolt, he went back three, maybe, I think he went back three times. On the fourth time, he took his mate from the Deer Stalkers Club in, in Victoria we have here. And they did this big trip that dad's always wanted to do since he was, I don't know, since I was a young fellow, he's always looked at this map and gone, that's where I want to go. So he did this, he did this big trip with, um, with Pat and he said, look, Pat, this is, this is the area, you know, they've been hunting for three days and they came to this spot and he said, keep your eye out. I lost Dan's bolt two years ago. You know, you never know. Anyway, so what happened, <laughs> they're walking along and anyway, you won't believe it, Pat finds this bolt. Like, oh, now wow. you think about the backcountry, you think about how big your backcountry is and you're walking over rocks and cliffs and shrubs and all this stuff and, and if, if you lost your bolt or you, whatever you want, you know, your GPS yeah. or your whatever and you try to find it, it's it's really hard to find, impossible. Mm. Pat finds this bolt and Dad didn't know and about half an hour later, Pat goes, hey, have a look at this and Dad nearly fell over. Like, oh, are you serious? Wow. Like, you found this bolt. It spent two winters up there, two winters. Now, what happened, he didn't tell me. He came back from this fourth trip, and they found this bolt. He came back, and he said, We're gonna, do you want to have a barbecue at my place? I said, yeah, no, he's coming around for a barbie. And he said, oh, Pat's going to come. He's going to bring his girlfriend from Melbourne, which is a two-and-a-half-hour drive. 
So that's a long way to come for a barbecue. Now, anyway, no worries. Comes along and they we had we cooked our lunch and had that. Then Dad brings out a cake. And I said, what's the cake for? He goes, oh, we're having a wake for the bolt, you know, say goodbye to it sort of thing. I said, right, right no worries. And uh, and he'd organised for the bakery to, you know, do their ice, icing writing on it, you know, this is the coordinates and this was the date. And I didn't read it. I should have read it and I would have clicked. So <laughs> I, cut in, <laughs> I cut into the cake and it only went halfway. I'm like, what's going on here? And he said, open the cake up. So I split the cake in half and here's this bolt wrapped in cling wrap glad rat in the middle of the cake that he'd organized <laughs> that is awesome. he'd organized for the bakery to to do that for me and i said what are you kidding he said yep he said pat found the bolt um in this area blah 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 and we all laughed and had a chat like talked about it and couldn't believe it got photos you know like anyway it was a great time and and so now we we checked the bolt and it made two years in in like winter conditions in snow like snow country, and it was fine. The internal of the bolt looked brand new. We pulled it apart. Spring was fine. Um, it had a little bit of surface rust on the outside, but it was stain- like sort of semi-stainless, and it was fine. So we haven't cleaned it up. That's just a part of the bolt, the gun now. It's a story. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have that rifle for the rest of my life, mate, you know? Oh, man, that is awesome. I just think it's, I think it's incredible, you know, just your dad's determination to get that back. You know, I just oh. think that's really – I don't know. That's 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 really cool. I think so many guys be like, well, you know, I, I lost it. We'll just buy another one and we'll move on. But yep. his his determination. It sounds like you got a pretty good dad there. That's awesome. He's he's a good dad. He's my um, he's my hunting partner, and and you know, he's taught me everything I know. And uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I cherish every trip I go away with him. And you know, and that, like I said before, but um, Trav, that's that's hunting you know you don't just go there to shoot animals and and a, and a true hunter knows that every every true hunter understands that that's yeah. what we go away for we go away for the trip we go away you know, pack the vehicle and you're wearing your camo and you're having a campfire and you're cooking meals and the the harvest of the animal that's the end result that's that's what you go that's you know what i mean does that make mm-hmm. sense yeah so um but yeah i cherish every trip with my dad and and it's just the greatest thing well, I, I usually kind of wait till after the, the interview to kind of tie in something. You know, we talk about that, but you talked a little bit before about you being a Christian. What, what popped in my mind, you know, you haven't, I just heard the story for the first time, but what popped mm-hmm. in my mind, you talked about the missing bolt. I think about uh, the, the missing sheep, uh, how there's a, a guy, and the Bible talks about there's a guy, and he's got 99 sheep, but he loses one. And, yes. you know, if you had 99 sheep, you lose one. You're like, well, you know, I guess I'll just kind of, if it were me, I'd be like, I, I, won't, I got 99 still, so I'm good. But <laughs> that's not the story that, that Jesus tells in the Bible. It says the guy's got 99 sheep. He list, loses the one. He goes and he searches like crazy to find that missing sheep. And Absolutely. that is a, that's a picture of how God, you know, looks for us, you know. And if mm-hmm. we're lost and we don't know him, he, he searches and he wants to find us. And I just think that's, I don't know, kind of the missing bolt. I think that kind of ties in there. Absolutely. That was, that was yeah, well said. Well said. I, I agree. Um, you know, mate, I've... Jesus, I've been a Christian for four and a half years. Uh, I've known about him throughout my life. My mum and dad told me about him when I was young. And, you know, I got, I got caught up in a couple of things and, and I ended up having an addiction when I was from 12 years old to 22 years old. Um, and, you know, I, I was working in the mines in Queensland for a while. And that was where I was meant to be. God, that 
isn't that's another story but no, t- tell it man tell it we got a few um, minutes here honestly um i'll try and keep it brief but look i had this addiction for for 10 years i worked in the coal mines when i was 22 i was there for three years and about six months maybe three or four uh, four months five months before i left queensland i this bloke invited me to church now i'd always wanted to go back but i never took myself now this man i i I knew he was a Christian because I'd heard him talking about Jesus and things like that. And I, I always had an interest and I thought, <clears throat> and he rang me and said, I'm, I'm coming past, do you want to come to church? The church we went to was 400 metres down the road. I could have gone any day, <laughs> but I thought, no, I'm, I'm going, you know. And, mate, <clears throat> it, I just I just went. I knew, I remember from childhood how good the people were right? and and how much they care about you, how much they love us. You know, you walk into a church that's doing what God asks them to do, and and you will feel at home straight away. Now that's what happened to me. Skip along a couple of weeks, a couple of months. I, I I raised my hand at the end of the church and I said, at the end of the service, I said, yes, I wanna I wanna know God. I wanna know Jesus better. I don't understand who He is. I don't know what He's fully understand what He's done for me, but I wanna learn. I wanna understand. And I gave God that chance to you know to show and reveal Himself to me. And he did it. He did that personally. Now I got baptized, and I didn't feel anything for a little while. And ten minutes later, I just felt an incredible sense of lightness or relief. And and I was like, that it changed me, Trav. It completely changed me, mate. It, you know, and and a few other things happened, and I got set. I went to a home church, so like it's like church, but. At someone's home, yeah, someone's and house, house church kind of thing. House church, house church. And this man was a diff- different fellow from from work. He had these word. Like, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit gives people gifts mm-hmm. from God. And this man had a few of them. And at the time, I didn't understand. Now, now I do, but at the time, I didn't. And I was there for four hours. And he said, he he gave me he gave me prophecies, which is like about the future and words of knowledge. So God was telling him something about me. And he said, he gave me four things, but the main two were that he said, you're going to end up with a Christian woman because I was I was engaged to a non-Christian at the time. Mm. And I was like, anyway. And he said, you've also got an addiction. Now, Trav, God, this is what God did personally for me. There's no way that this man who told me this could have known. I've met him once before. He could not have told me that I had an addiction. There's no other way he could have done it. God told him that I was struggling with something. He said, God's telling me right now that they're going to break it for you today. I stood up. They laid hands on me. They prayed for me. And and and, and a couple of minutes went by, mate. I was crying like I've never cried in my life, and I can't explain it to anybody. But there's healing in crying. There really is. And it's important for, it's important for men to cry. I'm not one for being tough and macho and you know that that i just it's important to talk it's important to uh, have someone to listen to and have someone who will listen to you and um he said to me at the end he said god says that you are clean now would you do you want me to tell you what my addiction was because that will make sense but um it was a pornography addiction Mm. From from twelve to twenty two, and and it had a huge huge hold on me, Trav. One I could not break on my own, mate. I tell you right now, 
I tried for those 10 years to get out of that on my own. I couldn't. I went to church. I gave God a chance. Mate, he changed my life and turned it around. Now I'm married to a Christian woman who loves the Lord. We're raising our child with good morals, you know, and, 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 and she'll make her own decision later, but we'll give her the best best chance at life and we're going to raise her the best way we can. And and I've only, yeah, God changed my life, Trav, and, and that was very quickly my testimony of what, what he did in my life, and I've never gone back to pornography since, never. Now, I'm not saying that my life is perfect. I still struggle. I still struggle in my mind. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a visual person, yeah. you know. I, I, does that make sense? I'm a, yeah. a, a photographic memory and stuff, but I don't have that. I don't have the need. He, he set me free. Whether people tell me it's that's a joke or not, I'll tell you right now, he did something personal for me that I cannot deny, and it's there for anyone who wants it. You know, Jesus loves every person on this earth, and, you know, he just asks us to come to him, mm. and it's and that's all it takes. Give God a chance, and, and he will do something for you um, that you cannot deny. You ask him to reveal himself, he'll do it so in, in whatever way that is. He really will. Daniel, I appreciate you telling that story, man. That's awesome. I did not plan on that, and uh, just um, sometimes you just wonder how God kind of sets things up. I think there's probably somebody today that needed to hear that story. Daniel, mm-hmm. this is off the cuff too. Is if if somebody has questions, you know, they obviously I, I'm always open. If you want to send me an email or, or reach out to me mm-hmm. through social media or any of those things, I am. But Daniel, is there a way that somebody could? Um, look, are you on Facebook? Or is there a way somebody maybe could shoot you some questions? Because I mean. Somebody might be interested right now in this, but they just, you know, what what do you go? Where do you go from here? So maybe uh, they could reach out to you. Would that be all right? Absolutely, mate. <clears throat> um, yeah, I'm on Facebook. I'm on. I'm recently on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is deer hunting. Uh, sorry, deer stalking, foul talking. All right. And my S- face- say that one again. Deer stalking. Oh, deer stalking, foul talking. Oh, deer stalking, foul talking. All right, I like yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> And um, my Facebook is Daniel Mummery. Okay, and I'll put that all in the. Um, I'll go ahead and put that like in the comment section on iTunes and those things, so you guys can get a hold mm-hmm. of Daniel if you have questions. Mm-hmm. But man, that that <laughs> I love talking hunting. But I, I uh, that story is a very incredible story, and I think that that's mm-hmm. I appreciate you coming on and sharing that, man. No, no worries, mate. Uh, I, I really appreciate the way that you that you share your faith. Uh, you do it in a way that is 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 really well said. You don't you don't push it on anyone. But you just you just you just tell the truth, mate, and and you give people the chance to hear it, you know. So I really appreciate what you're doing too. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. I, uh, guys, we're gonna go ahead. I'm not even gonna do an outro. I think Daniel's done it for me. Uh, he's done a great job today. I've learned a lot in this episode. I I, I had no idea what a sandbadier was. I'll be honest. I was googling it as he was uh, talking, trying to figure out what they look like. So that I'm not smart. Uh, I just. Uh, <laughs> I actually, he has a, behind him right now, he's got one on the wall, and I thought it was an elk. I was like, hey, man, I guess, I didn't think they had elk in Australia, but, uh, yeah. so, I learned about that, wombats, uh, uh platypuses, and, um, most importantly, Daniel's faith. So, thanks so much for coming on, man. I appreciate that, and, uh, I hope things good for you down, down under there. No, it's a pleasure, Trevor. I appreciate it, mate. You take care. All right. Hey, everybody, thanks for coming and listening to this episode. Hope that you enjoyed it. Be sure to share it, like it, and all that fun stuff. And as always, remember to shed the light.